This is Tony from Restrain, and you're listening to Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Shiro, uh, here's a Dudley Dawson. Call me Booger. All right, Booger. Excuse, please, but why do they call you Booger? I don't know. Wormser, Harold. Parents left him like like he's a refugee. You can't just leave me here like a refugee from the war. Ah, the greatest movie of all time. It really is. Stay tuned for a live commentary. Stay tuned for our live interview with the guy that plays Lamar Luttrell. (laughs) Oh, is his name like, uh, fuck. I don't know. He was in in an episode of Seinfeld. He worked at the friggin' photo mat. He was a Cobra Kai. Yeah, that too. He was a (laughs) Cobra Kai. And he was the guy that was supposed to take the friggin' George out of the picture <laughs> for Kruger, and he ended up taking out Kruger, and then he drew him back in there as a cartoon. <laughs> Kruger, <laughs> you Kruger, Auga. <laughs> oh yeah, we got a show here. So, hello, hey, what's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus and Booger with another episode of Shouting Out Loudcast, episode one forty-five. Kiss. Breaking the band. All right. Kiss. <laughs> yes, we're doing another documentary, another another deep dive into the, the dirty world of Kiss. Breaking the band. Yes. I'm excited for it. How about Absolutely. you? Yep. Mr. Paul Owoski. Ogre, you asshole. Ogre, you asshole. Ogre. <laughs> Frankly, I'm not too fond of this next event. The belching contest has become a tradition here at Lambda. Uh, at now I can't even think of the college at Adams, Adams College. <laughs> the belching contest. Ah! <laughs> and then uh, in part two, Booger meets Snotty. Dude, part two is you love that one. That's so bad. Look, honey, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> guys, uh, Good nerds, uh, good guys. Part two is so bad. The coach from Slapshot's in it. Oh, God. All right. Anyways. No, <laughs> the coach from Youngblood, not Slapshot. I was going to say Slapshot. I'm like Paul Newman. Paul Newman's <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds, part two. <laughs> Dude, Youngblood, that movie's fucking fantastic. <laughs> oh. All right. What's my next role? Uh, there's a part here in Revenge of the Nerds, part two, Nerds in Paradise, Paul. I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> he's, from, 
Uh, but you, you, were, you were in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, you were in The Color of Money. Doesn't matter. I'll do Revenge of the Nerds part two. Sign me up. Uh, I heard there's a young actor named uh, Curtis Armstrong that I really need to work with. Oh, you mean Booger? <laughs> oh, God almighty. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Boy, All right. Boy. So. As we always do, Tom, we talk about last week's episode. We did a poll. How did that go? Yep. So last week we opened up the Kiss Mailbag again, our annual trip into the mailbag, part three. So we took a question from uh, the mailbag. It was actually a question that Zeus came up with. Kind of turned it into the poll question. So okay. the, question, the question was, in a dream scenario, which one of these members would you want on the cruise to do an album set? So Ace with Love Gun, Bruce with Hot in the Shade, Mark St. John with Animal Eyes, or Vinny with Lick It Up. To no surprise, Ace won, of course, 43%. Bruce comes in second at 28, Vinny at 23, and poor Mark comes in at six. All right. I, I, I've, I've just fucking had it. I, yeah, it's I, the I've Ace Cult. It it's the Ace Cult. People that, would you people please read the poll? No, they Read see it. They see Ace. It's like a knee. What's a better out? Love Gun Ace. Oh. Yeah. All right, Love Gun Ace. Dude, we've seen that. We've heard it. Yep. I don't want to see Ace do Love Gun for the millionth time. Christ yeah, but sakes! We're also, we're all, but we're also ta- we're also making references to the album too, not just the song. Oh God, so, we've heard those before. I know, I know, I know, I know. So a couple of quick comments here. Um, King Kusano, of course, with his name right there. Anybody that doesn't vote for our Lord and Savior, Private Kusano, is in denial and can eat a bag of giraffe pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Great. This is why we have the explicit rating on our show if you're just joining us for the first time. Bill Sharp, I voted for Vinny. Yes, so did I. Lick It Up is my favorite non-makeup album. Also, Vinny, along with Eric Singer, are the only members of the band, aside from Mark St. John, that I've never seen live. Okay. Okay, Gerald, don't call me Saul Rosenberg. I'm going to go rogue on this one and pick Mark St. John. Animal Eyes was always a guilty pleasure. It shouldn't be a guilty pleasure. It's a great album. It was actually one of the first studio albums I ever owned. Some of those songs are hidden gems in the catalog. Mark is such an enigma. Would be cool to see what he brings. Hmm. Our buddy Nige. I voted for Bruce because Hot in the Shane contains two of my favorite songs, Silver Spoon and King of Hearts. Yes. And it would feature a built-in bathroom break during Boomerang. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Party Man says any poll with Ace in it is easy. And then Bill Elam responded, hashtag Ace Cult. Yep. Uh, Tim Johnson had a great line. I have it on good authority that Mark St. John is unavailable. I'm like, yes, I know. That's why we use the term imagine. <laughs> and, and he goes, oh, I thought imagine was the album set they were doing. And to be fair, Mark St. John would slay Oyoko. I don't even know what that means because I don't know anything about John Lennon's solo career and Yoko Ono's career or whatever. I don't know. Dr. Van Halen. How could it not be Vinny? It's the most rare. Ace doing Love Gun seems tedious. Probably. Uh, Let's see. Mike Reese. I think out of all those, Bruce would be the most entertaining. I love the rest of those guys, but being a musician, I'd be the least disappointed watching Bruce. Okay. Uh, on the fly, I'm an Ace fan, but a little fatigued of him. I want to hear something different, so I picked Bruce. It would be so great to see him and hear the hits set. Can you imagine you love me to hate you? 
Absolutely. That'd be great. Absolutely. JC, I would definitely want Mark St. John just because he is dead and he can borrow one of Paul's wigs. <laughs> it might finally add some excitement to the same old boring kiss show. Jesus, my God. Uh, let's see here. Baseball and death. I love Ace so much, but it would be awesome to see Vinny since that's more of a unicorn. I had to pick him. I like that. I like that reference. Our buddy Wes would have to go with Vinny just to see if he could still deliver. We've heard Ace and Bruce enough, and I'm just not interested in Mark St. John. One can dream. <laughs> Action Jackson says, does Ace come with Peter Chris as well? <laughs> uh, Steve said, I vote for Bruce, although you can see the Ace cult voting with their burner accounts. Bingo. Yep. Um, couple couple episode specific comments real quick here. Uh, let's see what we got. We have here. Uh, we got MD. I tend to agree with Tom as far as the likelihood of Kiss 2.0 goes, but maybe for a different reason. Why is everyone who thinks this is an inevitability assumes that Tommy and Eric would want to keep going without Paul and Gene? If I'm either of them, I want absolutely no part of that. That's an interesting take. Okay. Joel Hoffman, KISS 2.0 would be the biggest F you to fans that have stuck around since the beginning. KISS have done some questionable shit, to say the least, but 2.0 would be unforgivable and indefensible among the critics' hate. That would be the final slap in the face to true fans. And then Rich Goad responds, KISS 2.0, no problem with it. There are already loads of tribute bands out there. Why not an official one? Tommy could manage it with four completely new members to remove all links to the past. Given Eric's age, I suspect he's cool with retirement. Okay, maybe. And then, of course, our buddy Tony from Restrained. I'm honored to be chosen as the one that Tom will throw overboard on the Kiss Cruise. And if you think I'm insufferable now, wait until I'm properly pickled. I'll absolutely annoy the living shit out of you. Oh, I love you guys, too. Oh, boy. That's going to be rough. Uh, and then our buddy Nige uh, made a T-shirt with a picture of Paul that says cockwomble on it. <laughs> that was great. Um, our buddy Scott says a poison tribute band. That would be hard work mastering those songs in great band names. Poison you, poison me, poison us. <laughs> oh, man. And then he then he liked my idea of Bob Rock producing Kiss. That would have been my answer also. So there's some Twitter feedback from the mailbag. Zeus. Over uh, on our Instagram page, uh, Kip Winger lookalike Nicolino writes the ball bag episode. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Then over on our book of face, Loudcasters extraordinaire LP Sterlinho uh, mentions that he's listening to it now. And thanks for the shout out. Proud to be a Patreon. We're proud to have you, my friend. Hell yes. Over on the Loudcasters group page, uh, Kelly Jem Blair. Another stellar episode, guys. Highlight of my week each week. All right. Thought-provoking topics covered. Gene Simmons as the new host of Jeopardy. This would work. I can see it now. Contestant, I'll take hidden brilliant demos for 500, Gene. Uh, Gene, sure. What demo in my vault collection should have gone double platinum if only released? Contestant, what is Mongoloid? (laughs) Man, ding, ding. 
Oh, yeah. Most, <laughs> most definitely. Gene strolls across the studio towards the panel and mumbles, someone, dro- someone dropped a penny. Oh, God. Wonderful. Seriously, I love you guys. You rock. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Over on YouTube, Marty White. Can you imagine Paul guest hosting Jeopardy? Contestant, I'll take 70s rock stars for 400. Paul reading the question. Which member of KISS was nicknamed the one-eared monster? Oh, come on. Hey, wait. Edit that out. Edit that out. Later on, when the credits roll, a new production team is named Devereaux, Inc. There you go. Uh, Pete Staros is telling us that he's waiting for the Zep album review. It's coming, Pete. But as someone else mentioned a few times before, believe us, there's only so many days in the week, buddy. And, uh maintaining our personal lives and running this show, which is uh, quite an endeavor is not easy, my friend. So we'll get to it. Oh yeah. Just give us a little bit of time. And then Terry, the man says, come on guys, get with the program, do another album review or something. I think harder than hell is due. Settle down. We're going to get to everything. Relax people. We appreciate the, we appreciate the excitement. But we're not the fucking album review Kiss album. That's all we do here. Right. If we we're going to do all albums rev- uh, reviews, then we'd be done in the first season. Like we spread the shit out because we want to come up with different stuff. We don't want to just do those. Antonio Stratus, keep flying the Kiss flag, guys, uh, on the Kiss cruise. Stay safe. Thank you, uh, Anthony. I don't know why I call him Antonio. <laughs> but um, Pending wrote, I don't know who Pending is. Nobody is yet to reveal why Catman and Emperor was scraped. It was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I remember when that was a big thing on social media and then I didn't hear anything more about it. Yeah. I don't know what happened with that. Oh, I don't know either. Uh, and then John B writes, come on, guys, you've done an episode about every 78 solo record. But Peters, don't you think it's time? <sighs> it's coming. Relax. We again, we love the enthusiasm. When when, it, when, <laughs> when did we get like a producer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone telling us what we need to be doing. Like, relax, guys. We'll get to it. We're not doing it this year. If you notice, we've done one every year. This is our third year. Gee, wonder what's coming next year. We're already in fucking October. Calm down. Jesus. Settle down. Even Marty jumps to our defense. They're going to do it. I played that album for my girlfriend. It's very well produced. I try to tell her how good it is, but she was on a bit of a rage. She has a steroid problem, is covered in tattoos of daggers, is built like Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> anyway, she went into a rage, beat me up while I was passed out. She and her brother Jocko tore my house down and put up a hot dog stand or some shit. The sex is good, so I stay with her. Jocko Johnson? Yeah, it's black. It's on the corner. Um, Mr. Antonio 2005. Yes. A million to one had hit single written all over it for 1983-84. Not sure what record company was thinking. The other singles that should have been considered from other albums include War Machine instead of releasing Killer and Save Your Love as the third single off of Dynasty. I wish they would have capitalized on the success of 1978, a solo album with the release of a single off the 79 Dynasty album. A couple of missed opportunities, in my opinion. Great point. Absolutely great yep, point. Very good point. Um, and then what about Rob, who's decided to comment on every fucking YouTube video? Uh, and, and I love point, it. I yeah, love it. At one point, he called me a clown. 
Oh no. Insane clown posse. Uh, as much as I like it, I don't think 83, 84 was the year for that. Remember, Metal Health, Come On, Feel the Noise, Photograph were songs that were popular by heavier rock bands. Okay. I'm not sure that those guys were heavier than fucking Kiss was in 83, 84. Photograph was not heavier than what was going on on Animalize. Yeah, 83, 84, Lick It Up is heavier than fucking Quiet Riot and Def Leppard in yes. 83. Agreed. Um, oh, it's, that definitely is. Yeah. Anyways. Um, oh, Mr. Antonio jumps back. I do remember those songs very well. However, it would have been a better single release after Lick It Up than All Hell's Breaking Loose. Just one man's revisionist history. Mm-hmm. Do you like Kiss? Do you? I love All Hell's Breaking Loose, so I don't know. Uh, and that's what I got, Tom. Over to you for some emails. Okay, we only got a few this week, which is good because we always like to get to the topic. So our buddy Angelo Capasso, I'm running and typing, so don't mind my typos. I don't care if all four original members were knitting a kiss sweater on stage. I would go see them. I don't believe you both not wanting to see the original band on the stage again. Most bands are faking it live anyways. I believe you both would be front and center at that show, holding your piss cups, making sure not to miss a beat. Who knows? Maybe Angelo. I don't know. It's easy to say that we wouldn't, but you never know. We never know. But great stuff. Uh, Buddy Murph jumps in here. Gents, quick observation on the most recent episode. Solid as always. For Sonny's question of who is most likely to jump out of a plane skydiving, the obvious answer is Paul. But what is also a given would be the tweet that Paul would post on this experience. Quote, life is always about taking challenges, no matter what your age. Face your fears and live life to the fullest. You think the world looks beautiful from a bicycle. You have not appreciated its beauty until you do a 20-second freefall from 10,000 feet. Then I picture Paul doing his jump from the plane and screeching like the beginning of Heaven's on Fire. That really is frighteningly accurate, Murph, to what Paul would probably say. Well done. Absolutely. Um, and then we did get an email from our great friend, Gary Cap. Uh, I'm not going to read it because it is a little bit of the personal nature, but we do want to say, Gary, we got your email. We are thinking of you and uh, our thoughts are with you and your family. And we want you to know uh, that you are a family member of this show and a friend. Um, and we want you to know that uh, you are on our mind. So thank you, Gary, for reaching out as always. Uh, and that's it for uh, mail. Just a few things. So. Yeah, we wish uh, Gary the best. He's uh, one of my favorites and uh, great guy. Great guy. Um, yeah, Tom, one last thing on Loudcasters. Jason Warden. I look forward to your podcast every week. You guys crack me up as well as inform me on Kiss Happenings and info I didn't know. Please don't change a thing. Keep it going. You guys are a riot. Nice and simple. We love it. Jason, you've been great with us. And this week, you are comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. (laughs) Great stuff, Jason. Thank you so much. Every week, your interaction with us, your comments, uh, it, it's great to see that, you know, you're, you're a big contributor to, to the feedback into the, to the show. So thank you very much. And Tom, we want to give a shout out to our Patreon family. 
Uh, Patreon is the app where people can help and contribute to the show and help us grow. And uh, with that, they uh, they get some extra content, some extra stuff from us. We have a great uh, Patreon family. We <laughs> I was oh. having, had to get some of the the shout out loudcast stickers out to a bunch of them. Some of them are over in Australia and France, and we're like, they're like, what's the address? And they give me the address. I'm like, fuck. How do I write this though? Oh, I I don't understand how to do that either. Yeah, it's probably, and I'm like, it, make it, it easy for me, guys. <laughs> like, but it, I was so happy to do it. We love those guys, and they're fucking awesome. A couple more T-shirts got sent out to the Demon Crew. Uh, it's a great time. We have so much fun with them. Uh, Patreon, you can find us on the app Patreon or Patreon.com. P A T R E O N or you can go to the episode notes where you find this podcast and there's a link that we always put to Patreon. If that's something that you're interested in, feel free to jump in. If you have questions, ask us, but we love our Patreon family and it's constantly growing and we can't thank them enough. Absolutely. Yep. You guys are the best. Um, You know, you keep the show going, you contribute so much to us and it it helps with, with so many different things, big and small. Um, and we just truly appreciate everything that you guys do. Taking the time to to contribute, be a member, um, take part in some of the Patreon exclusive things that we do with some polls, et cetera. Um, and it's just going to continue to grow. So we want to thank you guys very, very much. It doesn't matter the size of the contribution or how late to the party you are. You're part of the family and we appreciate all of it. Tom, what we do next is go over to Kiss World. What's going on there? All right. Well, we are, by the time you hear this, Less than two weeks away from the cruise. It is happening. Cannot believe it. Oh, my God. I don't think I've been this excited since uh, Santa at Christmas. This is going to be fucking insane. So I'll just get that out of the way. In terms of KISS news, well, a lot of people were uh, talking about Gene's uh, near-death experience um, on their show in Tampa uh, a couple nights ago where uh, they drop to the, uh, you know, they come down on those pods during Detroit Rock City, and the one that Gene was standing on was kind of, kind of got fucked up and kind of uneven. Um, that could have been really bad. I mean, with with all that weight that he has, and with his age and balance, uh, that that could have been a fucking disaster. So let's just thank God that Gene is is okay, and that uh, whoever did that is probably friggin' fired right now. Who did that? You gone. And then we had a couple things here. We wanted to talk about uh, an Ace Fraley, Ace Fraley interview on uh, Eddie Trunk that he did not long ago. And, you know, it's the same thing. You know, I'll, I'll do the reunion if the money's right. You know, I've never closed the door on anything, blah, blah, blah. I'm on good terms with Paul and Gene. But then he just had to say this. If I took back my makeup and costume in my character, which I designed, you know, talking about what he would, that's the only way he would come back. And then he says, Tommy Thayer is not a bad guitar player, but he basically just mimics everything I wrote and tries to imitate my persona. He's been doing it for 15 years, but the reality is I'm the original guy and nobody can really copy the way I play guitar. You mean, I mean sloppy? Yeah. I mean, whether like right they, now, nobody wants to copy the way you play guitar right now. Yeah. Talk about just detached from reality. Again, look, we love Ace. I mean, we just saw him in concert, but when you compare his ability to right now to Tommy right now, it's it's embarrassing, actually, to compare them. We had a friend that just saw them and oh. <laughs> sent us a <laughs> sent us a clip. 
holy horrendous. Oh He's gotten God. progressively worse since yeah. we saw him. Yeah, we're lucky we saw him when we did. <laughs> In the days of my youth, I was what, told I mean, man. What you just did is better than the clip that we got. <laughs> Horrific. Yeah, it's between slurring words and the Vince Neil acclaimed theory of singing every other five words. Oh, dude, that that was bad karaoke. Like, like really bad. And really looking bad. at his guitar when he's playing, like you can't like he has to see what he's doing. And again, for the people listening, we love Ace. We just saw him ourselves a couple of weeks ago. But but let's not let, let's be serious. He can't do it. He can't do it. And shitting on Tommy is really the that's only going to ingratiate you with the already existing ace cult. Yeah, it's just yeah, it, people are one way or the other. The thick-headed idiots are one way or the other. Hmm. Look, Peter's not bragging about his fucking playing style these days. Right, right. He can't. He's never said, "Oh, fucking Eric can't do what I did." <sighs> yeah, I know exactly. Yep. Yeah. Other than that, there's really uh, not much going on. Just the tour is rolling along. So um, that's about it. And the cruise is coming up. Absolutely. And yep. that's really it. You're right. Yep. So, Tom, before we go on, uh, let's take a let's uh, take a quick break while I grab myself a fountain soda. All right, I just finished my slice of cheese, so uh, we're back. Oh, so Tom, I, I sitting at home on a Saturday one day. And I started seeing all these breaking the band, Led Zeppelin, breaking the band, Pink Floyd. I'm like, what the fuck is this show? And so I started watching. I'm listening to D. Snyder. And I'm like, holy fuck. What is breaking the band? It's about the turmoil of a band. And it's like a one hour show. And it's the stuff that we used to love. Those behind the music type, quick, easy, digestible shows about a band. Uh highlighted and narrated by the one and only D Snyder. And it's got different people commenting, different uh, people. And they, they show like uh, actors like blurry in the background, acting out parts of people in different bands. I wonder if it's the same actors playing different bands throughout this shit, but um, I got into it. I started watching it. So some bands that I know and like a little bit like Pink Floyd. So I wanted to see that one. Uh, you know, obviously I'm going to be peaked with Led Zeppelin. I saw the one on Journey and I was telling you about the fact. I'm like, holy shit. I didn't realize. I always thought that uh, Steve Perry was the good guy in this story. What a dick. <laughs> mm-hmm. I watched that one. And next thing you know, I'm like, Kiss? There's a Kiss one? Didn't know it. So uh, I watched it and immediately told you, hey. Watch this. Let's do an episode on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the series is available on Reels, R-E-E-L-Z. Um, I think you can get it through your cable provider. I don't have cable anymore, so I got the Reels app on my Roku. The subscription is like, I don't know, a buck 99 a month or a couple bucks. It's, it's, it's very limited programming. It's original programming, and it's pretty much like all like true crime documentaries, real like dirty kind of sorted kind of shit. If you're if you're into that, which is cool, it's and then they have some good stuff. Tom, it does. I just watched it does. something. It was two hours yep. on Axl Rose. Yep. I learned really nothing. What yep. I always like is they always find like people that aren't really instrumental in, cer- in certain bands or artists' career, and they fucking li- love to jump in like, 
well, I knew him, this and this, that. Like, oh, lady, you didn't really know him that well. But, yeah, they do a lot of rock stuff and hard rock stuff that we like. Yeah, in this series, in in this in in this series, it like Zeus said, it's what it does. It takes the it takes the the most like sensational celebrity scandal aspect of behind the music. That so it's called breaking the band. It's about how all these bands broke up. So it's like the inside dirt on every band. It talks, you know, it does a quick recap, quick history, and then it focuses on how the band fell apart and all the dirty details. And they have. Tons. I mean, they got like Zeus said, Pink Floyd journey. They got one on NWA, the police, all these. It's they're really fun. They're really fun. Easy to digest. Nice way to kill the time. Yep. And the thing that I noticed, they didn't do it on the kiss one, but on other ones, they'll be like, it's 1979, six years before the breakup. And yep. then it'll be like 1982, this many years before the breakup. Yep. Um, and it and it's interesting. It's D, you know, D. The D did one on Twisted Sister. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's in my queue, but I haven't seen it. What's he going to say? And then their lead singer, who was always right about everything, said, <laughs> you know, but the, th- the thing, the thing I like about these now, I mean, let's be serious. They're not. They're 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 well produced, but there is a little bit of amateur amateurishness to them. Yeah. Um, you know, like Zeus mentioned the, the reenactments, it, it's like, it's, it's comical. It's distracting to the point of being comical, especially for diehard kiss fans like us. And when you guys watch this, you'll see it's, it's really ridiculous. And it was confusing because to me, there was really no need for the reenactment for some of the scenes because like it shows them like, I mean, we'll get in, we'll break it down. You know, we'll, we'll kind of get into it. But um, one thing that I did like about this is that Paul and Gene were not part of it. Ace and Peter were only part of it through archival interviews, but the main interviews all brand new. This came out in 2020. Eddie Trunk, CK Lent, also known as Chris Lent, Christopher Lent, who wrote the greatest kiss book, Kiss and Sell. He was the he was a former business manager during the glory years. J.R. Smalling, their road manager. So you got guys who were inside the band really good they had a woman who worked for cream magazine yeah the co-founder Jane yep the, co- the co-founder so so it's not a, it's not a bunch of nobodies oh there is well there's there's a couple nobodies that one guy who i have no idea who he is. <laughs> who the fuck put this guy in the middle I've, i i, I, I must have written it down five times why is this shithead i don't know who he is hawking oh my god i think his name is darren reddick and it says radio presenter yeah, yep. he doesn't even seem like he has knowledge about Kiss or anything. He's just like a fucking idiot. Oh, and then let's not forget to give credit to the smoking psychologist on there. Ooh, Linda Papadopoulos, <laughs> not related to George Papadopoulos. <laughs> Webster's Greek Greek dad, Alex Karras, Hall of Fame lineman for the Detroit Lions, if I recall correctly. Oh my God, why is Webster, the son of <laughs> a Greek football player. Dude, you go back in history. Why was that show a thing? That is the oh. most bizarre. Hey, guys, I got a great idea for a show. Oh, yeah. What do you got? Uh, this older white couple, Greek guy. Uh, they adopt this like little black kid <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a size problem. Because it was it was done earlier as different strokes. It, exactly. it was the exact same thing. 
Why are all these white people adopting small African-American boys? Oh, don't get into that stuff about like the whole savior thing and white color. I'm not getting into it. But anyway, the funny thing I think of Webster. I think I think of fucking Martin Lawrence when, when everything's fine. I'm hanging out with the boys. How you doing? Well, <laughs> get out of the water. My dick chilling like Webster. <laughs> I got leave me alone. I got a lot on my mind. My dog just died. <laughs> Hello. Wake oh, up. Oh, my God. Dick this is what happens. Killing. We go we go from Linda Papadopoulos to Martin Lawrence talking about Webster's dick. <laughs> Looking like Webster. Oh, now I gotta find the clip. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm not packing now. I'm all right. But don't get me wrong. When I'm erect, I can get in line with some of the big boys. Now I ain't running from a motherfucker. I'm cool. What's up? How y'all live? How you live? <laughs> but when I ain't erect, I'm hanging out with Webster like a motherfucker. <laughs> right now, my dick chilling, just chilling. You know how your dick get when you get in the pool? That motherfucker be like a little baby shit, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but anyways. Yeah, so and then she she's on all the shows. And yes. she gives her, like, shrink philosophy on, like, different members, how they perceive things and how the human mind reacts to emotional things. And Which I like think that. is cool. I think it's a yeah. nice addition. Plus, she's yeah. hot. Yeah, and it just kills the time. And yeah, the yeah. So. Yep. Anyways, as we said, it's narrated by D. Snyder. All right, so let's get down into it. And uh, some of, it begins with a couple comments. That, you know, there's a lot of good footage, 70s footage. Uh, oh, uh, absolutely. That you will like, guys. And a lot of it's, uh, look, th- there's nothing groundbreaking about this. I was just going to say. There's not going to be anything like, oh, I didn't know that. As a matter of fact, there are a few things in there you're like, this isn't right. This isn't correct. I yeah. don't remember hearing this story. This is yep. no, no way. But anyway, uh, it starts off with uh, like a clip of them showing them in the 70s and stuff. In the mid-1970s, Kiss blew everyone out of the water with their stage antics. And then J.R. Smalling comes on. You're like, oh, shit. You see him. You're like, oh, shit, this is going to be fun. Exactly. I never heard him in a documentary like this on TV. He says that there were half rock and roll band, half motorcycle gang. That's one I never heard before. (laughs) Chaim Witz is not the leader of any motorcycle gang I know. Um. And then Eddie comes on. We're like, oh, shit. Here comes. Uh, this is going to get. Yeah. What I and thought of it immediately. This is going to get extremely biased. And, the, and then I and, and then I remembered Eddie talking about it on his uh, Sirius XM show that he was being interviewed and being a part of it. I was like, oh, shit. OK. Yeah. And he talked about, uh, you know, them never getting off the road, never took a break. Studio tour, studio tour. And then they talk about what are the things that break up this band? Jealousy. Uh, confronted conflict and substance abuse. And it's some shown some great old footage. Then they get into like some flashbacks and they start the show with Budokan, Tokyo, yeah. April 2nd, 1978. Last night of the Alive 2 tour. Their peak. Yeah. And, it, you know, we've talked about them. When was their peak? When should they have quit? When were they at the mountain? Is that it? So April 2nd, 1978, is if that's their prime, I would say maybe maybe a little bit more because double platinum comes out. Right. So now you got a live two tour, double platinum. Top of the world. Are like, whoa. The only thing is might give a little bit of hint is like strutters a little different, but there is no fucking disco song. There is no solo albums. There There's is no, phantom. no fucking phantom. Nope. Is this the peak April yeah. of 78? Yeah. 
or, or, or some people might even say like maybe like the end of 77, but it's still kind of the same because none of that stuff had happened yet. The solo albums hadn't happened yet. Yeah, I don't yet. think they I mean, the tour was still huge. They just fucking dominated Japan. Correct. There's no right. uh, chinks in the armor at this right. point, right? Right, right, and that, so that- but, and, and that's and that's why I like how it starts with that because it starts with them at their absolute peak. A lot the Alive yeah. Two tour, and then all of a sudden that fucking bozo guy comes in. Like I'm not even listening to him. You know, you could have anybody else uh, that's a listener of ours would have been more. I would rather listen to than this fucking idiot. Yeah, again, I don't know that because they were hitting it out of the park with Jr. Smalling, Chris Lent. Eddie Trunk, the woman from Cream, yeah. and then and this by the guy. way, next week Darren Riddick will be on our show. <laughs> with our luck, let's make sure we don't tag him in this episode. It'd be like the freaking director of Detroit Rock City. <laughs> what the fuck did you tag me in this? If you're gonna shit on it, <laughs> still the greatest. Uh, then D says, Paul Stanley has been super focused on success. Eddie says Paul's ultimate rock star, the ultimate front man. Yep. And I'm like, oh, I was waiting for some kind of jabs. Didn't get him. No, no. And then Christopher Lent says the business, you know, obviously the business manager. Paul was the artistic force behind Kiss. And then Jan Ulensky had said, co-founder of Cream, he says his whole life, he was fashioning himself to be the lead singer he always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm saying to myself, oh, Paul had his hand in this. Right. Yeah, me too. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Because if you watch this whole fucking thing. Yep. Spoiler alert. Is there anything negative about Paul in this? Well, no. And and I guess you could say that the that it's about breaking the band and the band was breaking because of ace and peter whether you love those guys or not but i, no, I but know Gene, what you're saying Gene i get shit on a little bit a little bit a little bit yeah nobody yeah. threw a shot i figured d would definitely take a shot at him i don't think d takes a shot at anybody being the narrator i think he just does the i think he's the tour guide you know what i mean yeah but he's got some personal beef with paul he does he does yeah anyway uh then they start getting into gene and and Gene and uh, Christopher Lenz says Gene was always an intense personality to be around. J.R. Smalling says he's very sure of himself and very precise about what he wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can totally picture that's their first road manager. Yep. What it would be like with Gene. Even, I bet you Gene has never changed. I bet he was the complete micromanaging <laughs> asshole back then to everybody back say when i say i want my coffee it better be here at 1103 not 1102 not 1104 i could totally picture him being like that and the way jr said it like oh he's very sure what he wants like and i want my m&ms to be green i believe Uh, it and then jr goes on to say he has one one word his vice Women. Women. Yep. <laughs> uh, then Christopher Lent talks about there's never been a day he didn't see women going to his room. And JR goes on and says that Gene wanted to sleep with every woman, period. Yep. So what so what you're getting here, you're getting the quick recap for people that might not know Kiss, you're getting the rundown of the history of the band, the background, and then you'll get the fall of the band. So, yep. but two in two great guys to do with J.R. Smalling and Chris Lent. I mean, and unbelievable. J- yeah. And J.R. goes on to talk about a saying that he was, he was always in the fog. 
Yeah. And they show him with a glass of, if you get him a, and then if you get him a, like a glass of something alcoholic in a guitar was all he cared about. Yep. He says of Peter, Peter had to experience every mind alternating, alternating experience. So imagine that saying that that's the like, only thing you can say about him. Exactly. Yikes. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. Yeah. Not good. And he comes in the clip and says, time to rock and roll. He's got a glass. Of that's the, that's the, that's the clip of him with the glass of champagne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts to an interview of Ace. I was off in the ozone playing. Peter was playing in his kitty litter. <laughs> Yeah, so this is when they add in the archived interviews because none none of the the only, the only original interviews are from the the people that we mentioned. Any anything else is archived. Um, th- th- those guys are not in it. So, yeah. And then the thing that I found funny was like the clip they use of Ace interview looked like a fucking YouTube. It was at somebody's house. I don't know where they found that one. And it looked re- it looked pretty recent too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that was the one we did with Loudwire or something like that. I'm not even sure. Could have been. Uh, then they cut to Paul's audiobook. So they use Paul's audio and Gene's audio, which which leads me which leads me to believe. I mean, like we said, so they're using audio from from their books. They're using archival interview, and some of it with with Ace and, and Peter, as we said, and then some with Paul and Gene. But then, like actual footage of the band of concerts backstage. So th- this isn't like some amateur production here. I'm sure they all got paid and I wonder how much they got paid. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, they use some good footage. Mm-hmm. And then Paul says in his audiobook, at the peak of their popularity, we stopped touring. We couldn't. We weren't speaking to each other. We couldn't stand one another. Mm-hmm. So, so he's talking about 78. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, then they finally go into the background. Here we go. Wicked Lester, Peter's hired, Ace joins. Mm-hmm. But then Christopher Lent says, Ace is very intelligent person and tremendous ability. What? I've heard Ace I been be- called I- many things, but I've never heard anybody call him intelligent. What did I do last night? Who was I with? Did I hit anybody over the head with a chair? <laughs> I, be- I, be- I believe that he is, though. He- he's. I mean, we-, we goof on him now, but I think back then he was just he was just—he just was not a Pete. Excuse me, dude. He was not Gene and Paul. He wasn't driven, so he came off as lazy and moronic. I don't think he was at that time. I just—I I just, I just think he was a I, drunk. I, I never yeah, think—I I never, I never thought he was stupid. But I never. Okay, you don't have to be stupid, but it, it's not a thing to call me intelligent. Well, if anybody would comment on that, it would be Chris Len, who was up those guys' asses for the for about six or seven years as the business manager. And again, yeah. I'll I'll say it again. His book is the best kiss book. I'm telling you. Yeah, we'll get to it. And if we could get Chris Lent on here, that would be fantastic as well. So then they show Eddie Trunk, who says that kiss could have stood for keep it simple, stupid guitar riff, pre-chorus, great chorus, great guitar solo fade out. Okay, uh, There's a little bit more to that, but it, it yep. connected easily with everyone. And then uh, Jan says powerful rock and roll, but it wasn't that extraordinary for the times. No, it was fun fucking music in a concert to be seen. Of course. Yeah, we've never, no one's ever been like, oh, fucking kisses. Just listen to this. And then when he does that, like, we're always like, this is fun. It moves us. It's nice and easy. It it makes you want to fucking 
smile. It's good, fun music. Can we spend um, a few seconds talking about the reenactment characters? <laughs> I mean, I, it was so distracting. These guys, you know what it reminded me of? And the timing was perfect. Recently on our Loudcasters Facebook page, somebody shared a photo of, and they called it casual kiss. <laughs> yeah. Those four guys in the parking lot tailgate at a kiss show. With, it looked like these with, guys with, with the full makeup on, like wearing like polo shorts and like cargo, like cargo shorts and like, like <laughs> doctors. But, the, but you guys have to watch this so we can get your feedback and your understanding. The guy who did Peter Chris's makeup, he was Pico Chris. He had like a villain mustache. It went all the way across. <laughs> and it would show them like, and I'm saying, th- yeah, this is the thing, Tom. I think they did it on purpose because everybody's makeup was fucked up. I agree. It was. I don't think they could have done. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pico Chris was like, oh my god. But I'm sitting there looking. I'm going. You have all this wonderful archived footage, real footage of the band doing all different things backstage, on stage, whatever. What are you trying? Like, this isn't Unsolved Mysteries or America's Most Wanted, where the reenactments kind of add to the story. But it, what, oh, there's it, one part that comes up with. Oh, reenact- I got I know we're going to get to it, we're gonna, but I'm just making a general thing. It's just it's so distracting and laughable and it makes yeah. it look so amateurish. But I but I loved it. But yeah. th- there are a couple scenes where it was nice to see the reenactment, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, then they talk about Eddie. Eddie talks about Bill a coin and tips his hat to him. He was yep. the mastermind. And then they bring up his partner, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Sean Delaney was instrumental about the band in their personas. Of course. And I like that, that they actually gave Sean the credit. Like, you're the fucking demon. How are you going to move on stage? You yep. got to fucking get this personality going. Mm-hmm. And then they started showing some clips, the Mike Douglas montage and then all of a sudden that you're going to get ace kiss was a special group in the chemistry between us was hard to describe but you knew it was special ace you're special <laughs> and then they cut to january 1979 electric studio rehearsals for dynasty they talked briefly about the solo albums and eddie says the solo albums were done to help but it didn't gene in his voice from his uh, book, Peter was our biggest liability because he had become dependent on chemicals. Dude, again with the chemicals. <laughs> he loves that word. Like, it's so dramatic. Oh, what? Chemicals. Oh, that's the other one. They were numbing themselves. Numbing. <laughs> yes, numbing themselves. <laughs> he was in the corner in the parking lot smoking grass. <laughs> How do you do, kids? Every time I think of Gene talking about drugs, I think of that Steve Buscemi fucking that's what little I'm, clip. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hip. What are you I'm guys cool. looking for? Some snow? <laughs> Anyways, it's because he become dependent on chemicals. And Vinny Poncia said he was tone deaf and he didn't play drums very well. That was it. That was crazy. Like tone deaf. <laughs> like you're a friggin' musician. <laughs> that was that was brutal. And he didn't think Peter was good enough to play on a Kiss record. That's almost like if someone doesn't like Kiss, 
<laughs> would be like, how bad can you be if you can't be good enough to play on a Kiss record? Let alone Dynasty, which is an album that people like to shit on. But yeah. And then when they go on the road, the stuff is magnified. Cut to first commercial. Yeah. So we're now we're getting to the part where they are, you know, the real problem. 79. Yep. You're looking at Peter kind of having his issues. Yep. And they cut back from the commercials and we're at the Tom Snyder show. Of course. And they give it a Gene and Paul slant on this. They're like, yeah, those guys are kind of fucking off. And, you know, they're trying to get them on the. Like, they didn't just say that, you know, Ace and Peter were entertaining and Gene and Paul were a little bit upset and had their feelings hurt because they weren't the focus of an interview for once. Yep. But they made it seem like, oh, you know, the other two were fucking around. And they were showing, like, you know, how pissed off Gene and Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they were saying that Ace went so far as being an antagonistic. Just the fuck up, would you? And then they talked about December 12th, 1979, three nights before the end of the tour. Peter (laughs) delivery messing up the drum cues. And uh, Peter was screwing up everything, Christopher says. Uh, He threw a drumstick at Gene's head. And then they show the actors. Oh, this is and, great. And the fake fighting back. So gr- Oh, this is great. Okay. This is the second time. Yep. Th- no, this is the first of two times. Yep. Okay. Whoever's playing Gene, there's no fucking way Gene acts that aggressive. Aggressively. Exactly. Yeah. Did, did that like stick out to you? Like he's like pushing away. He was like, like, what the fuck? Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't Guns N' Roses reenactment. Exactly. This isn't yeah. Slash and Axel fighting. This is Gene Simmons. Hold on a second, Catman. I believe you will be fined if you don't show up again and perform properly. Lay like- off the chemicals or I might have to get physical with you. No, this it's like showing like roid rage Gene. Yeah, like- <laughs> it's, so, it's so awkward. Like, dude, these people know nothing about kids. Oh, no, Gene no. is never acting like no. that. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah, it was just uh, Gene. I'm like, I'm saying like Gene can't ever be that aggressive. It yeah. says also now Peter broke a bottle and Paul had to jump in, dude. No way. What? <laughs> oh, oh, bottle. Peter, don't I'll fucking cut you up, motherfucker. I could see that. That I believe. Hey, fucko, which one do you want to get their fucking throat slit? I, I, I believe that. Peter. Put the bottle away. Put the bottle down. You're going to hurt someone. <laughs> hey, Peter, what the fuck are you doing with my beers? You smashing them? <laughs> hey, fucking asshole. That's my cavassier. What are you doing? Can you imagine, Peter, you need to have plastic bottles because that's not recyclable what you just broke. Dude, there's, there's no fucking knife bottle fight and Paul Stanley Jumping in the middle of that. It's just not. Of course there isn't. Oh. And then they oh. start your your favorite Dr. <laughs> Dr. Webster's mom. Dr. Web- Webster's mom. Uh, the shrink. Ooh, Linda. That's when you know what some what hurts somebody. And then that's what you decide to press that button. Oh, and they do that. Absolutely true. Everybody yep. knows that. I may not be racist. But if I'm fighting with somebody that's going to be offended by that, I'm not talking about me personally. Right. I'm going to use that racist term to fucking push that button. Right. Yep. Yep. I think of Kramer when he got to that fucking argument oh, in that. Jesus Christ. And that stands, he's oh. calling them the N word. 
yeah. I don't know if he's a racist or not, but he knew that was going to piss them off. Dumbass didn't realize that there goes his career. There goes but, your career. But he found the word that he knew would piss anybody off. And that's the problem. You know what the fucking word is? Maybe they called him a shithead. You're too yep. stupid, Peter. Yep. <laughs> Peter threw out maybe something anti-Semitic at them. Who fucking yep. knows what they did? I don't know. So whatever. And then I started brighting down. Do you think you said, hey, Stanley, you one-eared monster. Fuck you. Probably. Gene, you fuck fat chicks. And? And? What's the problem with that? Yes, I did. Every night. That's a great idea for a song. He turned back to him and goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ace, you're drunk. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) What else you got? And then I started noticing that the actor's makeup is all fucked up. That's oh, yeah. Kind of picked up yeah. But now they get to mid-1980 and Peter's doing the the audition, remember? Oh, With the my music God. stand and stuff. Yep. Even they that, have the reenactment. The, the reenactment is so great. I mean, it's so <laughs> cheesy, but it's so entertaining. My favorite part of that, he's like still fixing the music and he's trying to play. And the other actors just walk out. While they walk out. Yeah, they're like, they're like this guy like, fucking blows. He's terrible. <laughs> You're done. Uh, and then the uh, the uh, Peter and they say the reverse um, rehearsal doesn't go well. And Peter is out. It cut to a clip of Peter saying, if I stayed, I would have died because I was heavy into cocaine. That was crazy. He's like, yeah, I would have been dead. I was like, yeah. damn. Ace says the same thing, right? Yep. Yeah. How bad yeah. is it with those two that they fucking you want to die or kill yourself? I know. And then comes our favorite Eric Carr, the Fox. Yep. But they mentioned that he's now an employee. And see, this is the part of the show that I like because they bring up this conversation piece, which is the fact that now Ace is constantly outvoted. Correct. Two against one. Yep. And Christopher yep. says that Ace felt isolated. Uh, didn't like the way the pop direction went. Then a concept album. Then Eddie comes in and says, the producer was cutting out some of his solos. Yeah, that was uh, Ezrin Wood. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. He left that fucking awesome one in on Darklight. But yeah, that was a kind of I'm interested. Next time we talk to him, we'll get to ask him about that. And then Ace Clip. If we did it through the elder, I might have not quit the band. But I felt what's going on. A downward spiral. I needed a break. I'm fucking tired. I needed a break. Okay. Holy shit, my corns are killing me. <laughs> I need a break. What the fuck is the matter with you people? Somebody gave me a fry of fish and a Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> and a fountain cola to go with it. <laughs> it's shit, is this mellow yellow? Did I piss in this last night? Fuck. Mellow yellow. Remember what mellow yellow? Fuck. Dude, Mellow Yellow was like ghetto Mountain Dew. (laughs) That was like trash. It was like not greenish. It was literally yellow. It was piss. It was piss. It was was syrupy piss. Carbonated urine. (laughs) Regurgitate my Mellow Yellow into piss. Picture Ace asking for that. Where's my (laughs) where's my mellow yellow and my 
filet of fish and a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, but this guy was called intelligent by Chris Lent. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyways, cut to commercial number two. Oh, Jesus. All right. Now they do a quick little montage to the non-makeup years as though nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the clip of the loser again going, oh, my God, they're really ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I know, really. Dude, who the fuck are you? I don't understand. He must work. Maybe he works for reels or he's a friend of D or something. I don't oh, know. Like, yeah. Maybe he comments. He's like a radio personality. Oh, and we'll he get, does we'll, hard rock or something. We'll get comments from somebody who's saying, how do you not know who Darren Reddick is? Darren Reddick is any relation to JJ Reddick. You go to his credit. You go to his credit page on IMDB. He has one credit and it says breaking the band. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's his credit. He Definitely is like somebody's friend. Yeah. Hey, did you ever see Kiss perform? Yeah. Come on. What about what about Faster Pussycat? Yeah, you can come on that one too. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck he is, but he's got a lot of comments. And he's got that stupid bowler hat on. That's <laughs> so stupid. Planet Radio. He's on something like that. I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, I don't Planet- know. I I don't know. He's got a planet rock something. I don't fucking know, but he's got that stupid hat on um, planet radio. He's an actor and an extra. Oof, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look at him. Anyway, let's get back to the story again. Okay. All right. So the band is struggling to compete with grunge is the next part I hear. Yep. Compete with grunge. Yeah. I, that, that's huh? a weird, that's a weird way to put it. They were competing with the hair metal bands in the 80s. They never competed with grunge. Grunge was in infancy when Revenge came out. We didn't know if grunge was going to take over and kill the rest of those bands. So they weren't competing with grunge. And there's another section that comes up again that they say something. Um, And I'll get to it when it comes back up. The band is forced to play smaller venues. Paul in the video clip. We don't compromise. It's by our rules. Kiss World is where we live. And we play by those rules. And then Chan says in the mid nineties, their album sales were lagging. That's what I want to get to. Yep. Competing with grunge, the mid nineties, their album sales are lagging. They released one fucking album in the nineties at that point. But I think she was referring to like the, the, their catalog sales. Like, like, I I don't know, but their fucking album sales, like the one album they released in the nineties. Well, I know, but I think talking she, about. I think she was referring to their to their catalog, like like that people weren't people. No, people will no longer buy. I would Destroyer expect somebody to know better. Than or that. people, no, I think because I think she was saying that, like you know, like a band like Metallica, like today, people are still buying Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. In the nineties, nobody was buying, you know, Harder Than Hell or Destroyer. Yeah. I think I think that's what she was referring to. That they just weren't selling records. Period. All right, you know, right. that's how I I'll took it. You. Okay, so and then they're like, since his departure. Ace uh, has had some success, huh? And Eddie talks about Ace having, you know, he had his problems, but he did get the band Fraley's comment. Right. He says he's released three albums, which are snapped up by his loyal fans. Um, Fraley's comment is not what I was album sales are not something I would say were snapped up by anybody. Yeah, I think that's just to try to make it look like Ace was a success even after he left Kiss, which he was. I mean, like he handed to him. He did have a career. He still does, but. He had a career. I wouldn't call it a successful fucking career. 
Well, I mean, he became a name. He never went away. Put it that way. I think that's what they were trying to imply. The shows were packed with people. People love the shows, says Eddie. Dude. Well, of course, of course, it's Eddie and Ace. Of course, you're going to get that. Very guitar driven street rock and roll, like similar to Kiss. Uh, and then they cut to Peter, who always gets the shaft and everything. Oh, my God. This is like the most pathetic section on Peter right here. Yeah. Peter was by the 90s rock bottom. Two failed marriages and his millions spent. And then they say January 17, 94, the earthquake that leveled Peter's home. Peter was going to kill himself. Then he saw a smash photo of his kid. Peter says, everything I owned was ruined. I had a hundred grand to my name. I'm like, dude, you had a hundred grand. I'm waiting for him to say I had like 50 bucks in my bank account. Right. Dude, you had a hundred grand. You know how many people would say, whoo, I can fucking make that work for me. Yeah, exactly. What, what, what the fuck? I'm sure you had insurance for your fucking house. But you're not on fucking that broke. Why are you making it sound like you're so like at rock bottom? Usually, you, yeah, usually those rock bottom guys, they're they got like two bucks in their pocket. <laughs> yeah. Go ask what fucking some of the members of fucking crocus <laughs> <laughs> leather wolf were doing at the time. And you're bitching about a house and a hundred thousand dollars, Peter. But again, Tom, the, the impression you would think is like, oh, Ace is fine. Ace is doing Ace is a fucking mess back then. The problem is I can't remember the things I did when I was loaded. Freely's comedy wasn't doing shit. But I do, okay. His career is better now than it was then. Right. He wasn't doing anything. Oh, he was packing shows. Oh, fans ate it up. You fucking kidding me? Well, okay. All right. Well, let's be serious. Comparatively speaking, history speaks well for Ace back in the 80s. I mean, he did start a career. He did start a solo album. It wasn't, they would play with selling out clubs and Peter was a mess and almost fucking died. I mean, of course, they sensationalized. You're in the 90s, dude. You're in the 90s now. Same thing. If you thought hair metal bands were dead, what do you think? Fraley's comment was succeeding back then. No, but he was still do. I'm just saying it's it's a sensationalized documentary about the history of the band. They want to make the, everything. Everything I is going to be turned, turned up. Don't give me this image that Ace was fucking doing well in the 90s. He wasn't doing shit and he was fucking hooked up on shit. He was all he was out. Right. So he wasn't a fucking that much better than Peter. Peter looks like an asshole. That's what I'm just saying. He just well, you're right. Comes there was way worse than Ace. Ace makes you wouldn't think that Ace had nothing going on. Oh, he was fine. Dude, there, is, there is no documentary where Peter does not look like a disaster, yeah, which which I think we need to step back and say that's because he was a disaster. Yes if, and if, no. If every yes documentary no. paints the same picture, then you have to start wondering it's right. Yeah, we always agree, and I and I and I say, and I'm the biggest Peter fan out there. Me, I love that Peter he's also a, that he is a whiny bitch. Correct, and he isn't the most talented drummer. <laughs> also correct. Yes, and by the time he left in the seven, late seventies, he was a lot worse. Right, but he's still lovable because he puts his heart on his sleeve. Yep, and he fights, and he and he cares, and he fucking is passionate. So that to me means a lot, and his voice never left him. So he's always had that. Right. But so, that's not going to get your career, though. No, <laughs> but I'm saying that, you know, there's been some parts of him. They they no one fucking keeps saying. How about anybody ever bring up like, you know, Ace's guitar playing this and that when they did the reunions? Anybody ever say, well, fucking Peter was still rocking. His voice was still rocking when they did the reunions. He was still great. But you get fucking Ace. Yeah, I know. 
Okay. I know. Anyways, we went off on a tangent. No, that's okay. We always do. All I was saying was like tangents. Tangents are good. He started his career back up in the eighties, but the nineties, he was no better than any of those hair bands. They were fucking dead. There's right. nothing there. No, I'll that's give you that. For the, yeah. For the nineties. You're right. And then they started talking about um, the conventions. You know, Tom, we'll yep. get to that time where you went to the kiss convention with Murph, yep. uh, the convention and the montage of uh, kiss merchandising going on. And the clip of the band inviting Peter on stage and him doing hard luck woman. So you can kind of think and say to yourself, if Peter didn't make that original, that first original step. Yeah. The reunion never would have happened. Never. I don't think it never would have happened. I know that there are reports that there were rumblings and talking about putting the makeup on years before, and maybe it eventually would have happened, but that's impossible to know. This was definitely the catalyst towards pushing it in that direction. Yeah. It would have to be somebody coming up with a blind business decision to do this. This Peter step was organic. Yes. kind of got them to like, yeah, you know what? Let the fucking bygones be bygones. And you can also tell in those clips too. Um, well, we'll, we'll get to it when we, when we start talking about the reunion a little yeah. bit more. In and then all of a sudden they have the fucking idiot guy back on. Oh, yeah. And he says another fucking stupid thing. Once Nirvana hit it big on MTV, that just made him superstars. So obviously, we can't, dude. MTV Unplugged did not make Nirvana superstars. It was like six months before Kurt Cobain died. Nirvana was on every fucking magazine, fucking fashion thing, everything. MTV Unplugged didn't make Nirvana. It became legend and they put it on an album because he died. You fucking idiot. But but that's what happens when you have guys doing a documentary that aren't really well versed in in, in that stuff. uh, So I'm saying to myself, I write down, who's doing the fucking editing or fact checking on this shit? I agree. And then, um, but they do talk about the fact that this is the second most watched ever, which I assume Nirvana's was the first. Yes, I, I think that's correct. Yeah. And then they show the uh, Gene. Hi, Pete. I love that. And I love that. I, you know what? I, th- those videos, you can tell we've said it before. Gene legitimately loves Peter and is happy for him and is rooting for Peter. And you could see that. But he loves money more. And anybody that tells you that they want less money in life. Be suspicious of this person. This is a liar. So, well, of course, of course, <laughs> of course. So, no matter how much he loves him, let's put it on paper first. Hold on, I don't bl- yeah, I don't blame him. I don't. Um, and then Eddie says he was at the MTV Unplugged, the electricity in the room when Ace and Peter came out was off the charts. Mm-hmm. And then Ace reclaimed his spot on the guitar. He doesn't say shit about Peter. But no, he, he says, does not. He said Ace reclaimed his spot on guitar. I thought that was an interesting turn of a phrase. He reclaimed his spot, meaning fuck off, Bruce. I'm taking over. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Ace. I mean, Bruce was doing different music. He didn't come in in the 70s and copy Ace. Well, not to mention. Make, yeah, not saying reclaimed it. And Bruce was in the band like longer than you. Like, yeah, in, in, exactly. In, in, that's just yeah. a. I didn't, I didn't like, yeah, I didn't like that, but that's, that's, that's what like, you get. When you, what about Peter? What did he get? Isn't that your buddy too, Eddie? Come on. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm, the fucking Stewart shit's coming out. Uh, I'm Careful. holding it back. Careful. Um, anyways, it felt good as, to see the original kiss guys back together. Uh, Jan makes a point that it was like, and I do agree with this. And it's an excellent point. It was like being the kids and trying to get your divorced parents and getting them back together. Absolutely. It's Great a perf- perfect analogy. Right. Yep. We got yep. our parents back together. Yep. And then here, here you get the second coming clips. We've talked about second coming. You can watch that on a previous podcast. We talked about second coming, the DVD. Uh, Christopher uh, Lent says, what motivates Gene is money. 
Everybody wants more money. <laughs> Gene's yeah. audiobook. We want them under an employment agreement. We were not interested in being partners. And then the doctor says, Gene's point of view, the group did not equal what they brought to the table. Of course, they never were equal. And Ace and Peter felt that they were being treated unfairly. They were paid per show fees. Now, employees of what they used to own. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I never had a problem with the reunion setup. So let's think about that. If I own a pizzeria and I have a partner mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking tired of being this in pizzeria. I'm trying something else. And then years later, I come back. The pizza place has been a success for 15 years. I come back and I go to my uh, old partner. I'm like, hey, I want to come back in. You think he's going to be like, oh, yeah, let's let's split the books. Exactly. He's going to say, all right, you're great at what you did when we were partners together. You can run half of the shit that I run and you're going to get a fucking $2,000 a week. I'll pay you. I'm not fucking giving you. I'm not making you a partner again. Fuck off. Agree. I know. Right. I don't understand. It's confusing to me when you hear that, when you hear this aspect of history, like, are we supposed to think that Gene and Paul are like the bad guys for doing that? Because that's fucking common sense, both business sense and both human being sense. You know what it is? It's a, it's the, it's the age old sports contract. When the player signs the contract, then he has a big year. He's like, Oh, I'm not going to fucking play. I might get injured. I need a new contract. Yeah. So what if you sucked? Right. Is the, is the fucking team allowed to cut you other than football? No, they're stuck paying you. Are you going to fucking take money away and be like, here, you, you know, you don't have to pay me this much. I suck. So why are they obligated? But you're not. So we all know hindsight being 2020, the tour was bigger than ever. Oh, God. You still got paid well. What if the tour sucked? What if COVID hit during that time? What if something else happened and it didn't become successful? What if the Beatles came back or Led Zeppelin did at that time? And there is a flip side to the argument, too, if you want to play devil's advocate with with Gene and Paul. And, and, And we'll get to this eventually when we do cover the reunion in detail. But just quickly talking here. The reunion made $43 million, give or take. That's because of Ace and Peter reuniting with Paul and Gene. So if you want to play devil's advocate inside with Peter and Ace, be like, motherfuckers, you're paying us this little stipend here. If it wasn't for us, you wouldn't be getting $43 million selling out every venue around the world. We're here. This reunion is happening because of us, not because of Bruce Kulik and Eric Singer or whoever you got. Oh, no, no, no. I don't agree with that. I do not agree with that. I just said it to you. It's a fucking sports analogy. No, 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 I but signed I'm the saying, contract. Right. But I'm saying, de- so, I'm, I'm, but I'm saying devil's advocate. That's where that that's where Ace and Peter come in and say, no. if it wasn't for if it wasn't for us, there would be no reunion. No, the way to do that is, OK, our contract ended. Here's my new contract because it's over after the reunion tour. That's when you bring it up, because when you were making fucking fifty thousand dollars a year and now you're making two million, go fuck yourself. We kept this live and we gave you that opportunity. I agree. To no, no, this. I agree. So I agree. you can't say shit. You signed the contract. This is what it is. And I took the hit in case this fucking contract failed. Peter fell off the fucking wagon, got all coked up in the band and blew up. You know, there's the other part to this. I say this over and over and people. Are, it's not just that Ace and Peter came back. It's the fact that the makeup came back on. So if Peter Chris had died. Correct. And Eric Carr was alive. 
and Eric Carr came in with the Fox, I think it still would have been huge. Um, it would have been huge. It would not have been as huge, but it would have been huge. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think it would have been almost as big. I don't think almost, it would be as big. Almost. I, almost I don't want to shortchange big. Peter, but I don't it think it would be that big of a deal. They still would have been found huge success. The yeah. fact that they finally put the makeup back on and had the original four. Yeah. So it's not just that they fucking brought him back. Because if they brought Ace and Peter back in non-makeup, it wouldn't have fucking been that big. Well, no one would have cared because no one ever saw Ace and Peter without makeup as a band. I, my point is, it's a, a lot of factors. No, of course it's it not is. not just joining them back. It's them in the makeup. All of them in the makeup. I, but it was them in the makeup, the Catman, the Spaceman, yeah, okay. the original. So now they're yeah. at the point where they did the reunion. Okay, we'll yeah. get to this part. Yeah. So, all right. Commercial. Now they come back. Uh, March 96 band rehearsals, uh, rehearsals and uh, Ace and Peter need tutoring to be themselves. And some of their skills have been eroded. And then, wow, Eddie says, Tommy teaches them. Tommy did a wonderful job and was a Kiss fan. I couldn't believe that's all he said. He admitted that they fucking guys needed to be trained. Well, you can't really deny that. Eddie, Eddie would look foolish if he tried to deny that they needed help. He said, Peter's working hard and Gene offers uncharacteristic encouragement it was literally like cheering for like your kid who like stinks at t-ball yeah nice job oh yeah great job as opposed to what he normally does oh boy you fucking really suck this is gonna be terrible pretty much (laughs) yeah uncharacteristic encouragement what was he before that probably didn't say anything but he probably realized that peter gene was probably doing this for his benefit Okay, because he knows if Peter succeeds, the tour succeeds, the tour succeeds, more money for Gene. So he's probably like, great job, Peter. Oh, you're killing it. You do it. You look great. You sound great. I bet you a dollar he sucks. Leave it to me, star child. Exactly. We need Peter. Peter. We need Peter to play. He needs his ego stroked. I'll take care of it. You win, Mortimer. One (laughs) dollar. Exactly. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's it. Yep. He didn't fuck up. There you go. Here's your dollar. A bet's a bet. Yep. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Anyways, uh, and then uh, you get to the part where it says Peter is a Peter clip. I really wanted to be a good boy. Uh, But Gene, they start talking about, is got a lot of hatred towards Ace, who's still constantly late. And they go to the 96 Cobo Hall rehearsal. Yep. And their first onstage rehearsal, Ace is late. Gene can't control his anger. Gene? Again, with the anger? like Again, what? like he's roid rage Gene. <laughs> the actor pretending to be Gene oh is my God. way over the top animated. No way does Gene act that way. No. And then, and then D says, Paul, ever the diplomat, calms the situation again. Yeah. What? And he says he forced Gene to apologize. For flipping out on Ace. That sounds extremely hard to believe. Extremely hard to believe. I've Ace, never heard that. I apologize for calling you a fucking mess drunk. I have never heard. Matt, no problem, Curly. I, I've never heard a situation where Gene flipped out on Ace and Paul said, Gene, you should apologize to Ace. Like, I've never heard that. Yeah. I'm like, how much did D hate to say that about Paul? <laughs> uh, I know. 
and they keep showing clips of that idiot talking like get mm-hmm. him off this you fi- he added nothing to this except my anger yep anyways first night of the stage uh eddie says it was more successful than they ever envisioned them to make uh jan says it went well d the reunion makes over 43 million dollars peter clip being treated like a second class citizen was heartbreaking i was a founding member now i'm treated like a worker yeah Again, more bitching from Peter. Jesus Christ. What do you mean like a worker? You mean you got your hotel, your accommodations paid for and everything? What do you want? I, I, I know. He saw, it's just more whining and bitching. And he, 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 it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because that's all he does. Oh, my God. Uh, then Jan says, 1998, they perform. Uh, Jan- then January 98, the recording cycle circus. Ed says that there's you know natural progression and uh but you know them to do a new album but that's not what happened they were paid eight hundred fifty thousand dollars not to appear uh ed was saying that eddie was saying that this was get really getting contentious and gene and paul then eventually said signed a deal or we're going to do this with somebody else and at the 11th hour they reached a deal uh peter got cut out except for one song which we know about these uh uh, says Ace desperately fights to be part of that album. Huh? Never heard that. First I, I all, gotta, I gotta fucking put a song on here. First of all, this just leads to my conspiracy theory that they gave Peter that horrific song on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You want to be on this album, motherfucker? You are gonna sing this unbelievably horrendous ballad that everybody is going to historically rank as one of the worst songs we've ever done. There you go. Now you can be part of the album. That's not too bad. Oh, (laughs) you can't even say that with a straight face. Jane says that, you know, the A songs keep getting rejected and it's hurting his psyche. And they go to the, Oh, I love this Ace clip. You know, those guys, they know how to push my button. You know, we all have big ego. When those two get together, look out. Your talented songwriters form, but they can be hard to work with. So can I. I'll be the first one to admit it. We're biting heads. But they put Into the Void on the album. Should have had It's My Life with Gene on it, too. He he shits on himself all the time. Oh, he does. guys are difficult. Well, so am I. So am I. I mean, I'm a dipshit, too. (laughs) I'm a drunk. So am I. (laughs) And And then D goes into Psycho Circus is released to critical acclaim. What? Back then, it was if you could back then, it really was. People no. loved it. Critical acclaim. Back, he's referring to the friggin' dipshits from like Rolling Stone who probably liked that goddamn that pile of steaming bird shit. Reach is number three. Oh, uh, but when they get on tour, it's hanging on by uh, string. Ed, Ace, and Peter were unhappy. Not the same as the original reunion. The end of the band is getting nearer commercial so now they cut back four years since the reunion uh eddie mentions old stuff is back up substances unhappiness over money not caring not showing up and then they play the paul clip uh about the tour and how it was horrible 
in constant misery. And he's angry at Ace and Peter for being disrespectful for what the fans gave us. And then there's the part of Ace telling Peter about, I make $10,000 more per show, cat, man. Dude, dude that, re- that reenactment with those actors, that was great. Another great, hilarious bit. <laughs> when they show, like, Peter flipping out. No! <laughs> Why do you think Ace told Peter that? Because he knew it wasn't going to have a good ending. He knew he knew that Peter wasn't going to be like, oh, okay. He knew that that was going to be the yeah, end. Maybe because he wanted to get the fuck out of it and be like, probably, let's, probably let's hold their feet to the fire, cat man. Uh, and then Ed Eddie says Peter and Ace see the seen as brothers in a unit, and Peter sees Ace as breaking that bond. And then the Peter clip, I can almost forgive Ace, but not the other two. Why is it the other two's fault? If Ace is the one who hurt you, the other two guys are just doing business. I know. Come on. I so know. Peter gets paid the same as uh, Ace for the rest of the tour. Then Peter puts the, the teardrop, <laughs> which is literally one of the most embarrassing pieces of Peter's history and kiss. That is the most <laughs> douchey, childish, dumbass thing I've ever seen. Although he then tops it by the next thing he does. October 7th, uh, 7th 2000 kiss reunions. Last show. Peter smashes his kid. Last time the four will ever play together. Dude, watching that clip of Peter do that to his drum set is, oh, my God. You never know. Oh you never God. know. Would he have done it without it? Meaning the last show of, you know, of the tour, if they really are retiring, you fucking want to just be rock and rollish and break it? Who gives a fuck? Paul does his pre-staged fucking broken guitar. Why does he get to do it? Peter has never done that. That was his move about being fuck off. I'm out of here. His, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, so I'm that's gonna... more emotion. He fucking let it all out. That's more believable than, hey, uh, cut my guitar in half. And so then I'll come out and I'll pretend I really break it. Paul's not doing that out of anger. He's doing it as a thing, as, a, as an, a, an event a to get the f- crowd fake, fired. Yeah, yeah, fake rock and roll. So, so of course Peter's it is. pissed off and doing it. So so a, pissed, so a guy destroying his drum set like a child in front of an audience in a crowd. That's that's. That's cool. It's rock and roll. No, it isn't. That's not rock. When Keith, Moon dis- when Keith Moon destroyed his drum set, he didn't do it out of anger. He did it because he was like just flipping out like a rock star. He didn't do it because he was fuck you, Pete Townsend. Fuck you, Roger Daltrey. <laughs> no, but it's still rock and roll is to break something to do. Why, why did we break shit in Stonehill? Because we're rock stars. <laughs> but because we're he- immature douchebags <laughs> yeah. like Peter. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> April 10th, 2014, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, D says, Gene and Paul kept kissed together with different musicians. We keep saying that. Like, they don't get the credit to give the other people names. Why are they? Exactly. Why are they not using their names? So dismissive of whoever's been in the band. It really is. It's almost like they don't want the audience. Oh, oh we have to pay them if we say their name. Uh, yeah. It's almost <laughs> like they don't want the audience who's not really familiar with Kiss to know that guys like Bruce Kulik. Yeah, it makes it seem minimized. You're fucking doing Peter and Ace's fucking bidding by doing that. Making it seem like, oh, Kiss wasn't anything except the four. Yeah, Yeah. you know, they did something in the middle there, but eh, that's not important. Exactly. (laughs) Bruce Bruce Kulik's probably like, what the fuck is this? What are you doing to me? (laughs) Exactly. Okay, fucking, we're not going to take it, guy. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, the four can't perform together. Uh, Jan says for whatever reason They didn't want to play with Ace and Peter And that really hurt Ace and Peter The fuck do you know Oh my god I was hurt by his words 
That's a very sophisticated, <laughs> sophisticated kind of case. Why don't you come down and see me? Hello, Barbara. <laughs> People should get over that and play together. I'm like, stop showing clips of that fucking idiot again. And then finally, D says, it's clear there will never be another reunion. But the impact on rock and roll is here to stay. And then it ends with Eddie Trunk saying they're one of the greatest uh, all time rock bands we've ever had. Da-da. And the thing just ends. And then coming up, Axl Rose, two hour story on him. Like, well, fuck. coming up, breaking the band, NWA, which is a real episode that I have to watch. <laughs> coming up, <laughs> a special two minute clip, breaking the band, restrained edition. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Find out why Tony Masalem is disliked <laughs> by his band members. Up next. <laughs> Could you imagine the original fucking the, the character actors playing Tony in the background? I love it. Let's do it on the cruise. We'll reenact a restrained breaking the band. <laughs> yeah, episode. We'll, we'll film. We'll, we'll film. <laughs> Somebody oh. will have to play the Sonny Pony character stirring that shit up. Probably. Oh, oh, absolutely. Jesus Christ. Did you hear what he was saying about your guitar playing, Tony? What did he say? He said you stink. <laughs> anyway, so that was breaking the band. Now, it's an hour show, really 40, 48 minutes probably. Yeah. With the commercials and stuff. Fun, easy, disposable. Listen to it. Watch it. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, there are things that I'm yelling at the screen about. Oh, you forgot this. You didn't do this. Why didn't you say this? Or, you yep. know, this one's getting too much favorable coverage. This one's not going to. But. For me, I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I was worried D was going to be biased. Uh, I liked the people, except for the fucking bozo uh, that narrated. I thought that was a great choice uh, because I've seen some other ones. <laughs> they have the guy with the, the fuck up British guy with his teeth. He narrates someone. Oh, oh that guy. That guy's great, but he's yeah. I see Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm Dome. I think <laughs> yeah. is his name. I've seen Mick Wall. Mick Wall, Corrine, Bob Guccione Jr. Yeah. What, you pissed off because your daddy gets more pussy, more pussy you than you? you. Yeah. Suck my fucking <clears throat> dick. You've been ripping off the kids. While- okay, stop. That song is horrible. I Ugh. love it. Get in the ring. Ugh. Get in the ring. No. No. Awesome. Awesome. No. Can't wait till we do Use Your Illusion 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> On ARC. Just as go. long as we get that fucking vote away from... The Pony Selections. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Hope you guys are enjoying bad English, by the way. Yeah. Next up, DeBarge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fucking pony. Anyways. Eat a dick, Sonny. Thanks for that clip. That is the greatest clip ever. Um, so what'd you think? Uh, I liked it. Look, it was it was tabloid. You know, it's a generic documentary where they they plug in a different band each episode. So it wasn't like they spent an extraordinary amount of time on Kiss, like the A&E biography. It was there. Kiss was next in the rotation. So they did it. And I love that they had Eddie Trunk. I love that they had Chris Lent and J.R. Smalling. Credible guys who were really involved with the history of the band. Like we said earlier, you're not there's really nothing that you're learning new. Um, and it's a different spin on the band. It's not a biography per se. It's 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 the sensationalist tabloid dirt on how a band falls apart. Um, you know, and it's going to be taken from different perspectives. And it, it it's it's to get people to talk about it and 
what they think about it. You know, it, I thought it was I thought it was good. I, I think the reenactment shit was fucking ridiculous, but it was entertaining. But I thought that was just silly. Yeah. And again, it's if you like those behind the music, yeah. sit, sit down on a lazy Sunday, nothing to watch. You know, like you see one of these things on DVR the show. It's the, the rest of the ones, even for bands that I don't really like or I shouldn't say don't like. I like, but in, you know, fucking fascinating. I have greatest hits from them and stuff. I watched and I actually enjoyed it. You learn a little bit about a band. Yep. Um, so I'm sure people that don't know much about Kiss would find this shit fascinating. They're probably like, fuck, that drum is annoying. <laughs> they watch this. Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Now, we were talking amongst ourselves mm-hmm. and we came to the idea like, okay, we got to rank this. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this a TV appearance or is this a DVD VHS? And then you came up to me and you're like, dude, we need to stop with this DVD VHS stuff because it's technically the ones that we have done so far were Kiss Confidential, Second Coming, Eric Carr story, technically A&E biography. They're all documentaries. Correct. And the other ones are TV appearances. Kiss actually appeared in those things. Right. So instead of calling this one DVD and VHSs, we're going to call this the documentary section. And we're going to rank these. And we're going to retroactively rank the A&E biography since yes. now we're kind of recreating a category here. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So, again, we've done Kiss Confidential, Second Coming, Eric Carr Story, Breaking the Band, and A&E biography. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, Tom, do you want to give your rankings? Yeah. I had Kiss Confidential rank number one, Kiss Second Coming number two, and the Eric Carr Story rank number three. Where does A&E biography go? Uh, look, I know it's, I, I know it's easy to say number one. Um, and, and I, I will spare you the suspense. I am going to put any biography number one, but I, but I love, I love confidential just cause it's unique. It's different. It's a, okay. it's a, it's a snapshot of the band during a time period, but that a and E biography was just fucking sensational. Okay. So I had kiss confidential second coming Eric Carr story, same as you, yep. and I'm doing the same as you I'm putting yep. biography number one. Now, let's go, and we're going to rank Kiss Breaking the Band. Where do you put this? Okay, this is difficult because we talked about this when we reviewed Second Coming. It's it's good. It's way too long and way too bloated and needed to be edited. There's there's a lot of stuff on there that, like, nothing Kiss-related ever bores me. But there was stuff during that where I was like, you got to fucking move this along. It, it was way too bloated. So because of that, I'm going to penalize that. I'm going to penalize it for that. And I'm going to put Breaking the Band right above Second Coming. So I'm going to have that third. I'll have the A&E biography, Kiss Confidential, Breaking the Band, Second Coming, Eric Carr story. And I really enjoyed hearing J.R. Smalling and Chris Lent. So that was something different. Okay. I like Second Coming. It's just way too long. Okay. So Kiss Breaking the Band. Number three. Yes. So for me, I'm going to put uh, Breaking the Band number two. Wow. Over confidential. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. There's, there's, there's a lot of filler on confidential. There is. And I just like it because it's a timeline of the band at a particular point in their career. Yeah. The thing I'm thinking about is, though, like if I'm on the couch and I have both of them there on yep. the DVR, which one am I playing? Right. I'm more apt to put in Kiss, Conf- uh, Kiss 
Breaking the Band than Kiss Confidential. Pro- maybe. Yeah, I could. I, I hear you. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, it's well made. Yeah, it's it's just it's bubblegum TV. Yes, uh, I think. And it's just easy, digestible and move on to the next thing you're going to watch. Yep. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's anything special, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Yep. So Agreed. that's where we rank those. Tom, what we do next is this. Hi, this is Ed Spansberg of ClickTeeShop.com. And for all your shouted out loud cast gear and merchandise, please visit ClickTeeShop.com. At ClickTeeShop, you can find lots of Kiss-inspired t-shirt designs, plus mugs, hats, hoodies, pillows, and all new fine art selections. And now, here's your question of the week. All right. Our question of the week comes to us via email from JC. And he says, what's worse? Paul's hideous soul station album or Peter Chris's solo album. Now be careful answering. Cause we have not reviewed the Peter Chris solo album. So we're, we're probably not going to get to it for quite a while, but off the top of your head, very quickly, What's worse or which, well, what, or what's better. I'll say what, yeah, exactly. I would phrase it. What's better. I like Paul's soul station album. It's not a kiss album. I like Peter Chris's solo. album. It's not a kiss album. Well, this question but, is coming from a person who hates them both. So yeah. That's why I, no, that's no a, I get that. Right, but I'm right. saying in my way of, of, of justifying it, I would say it like that. And I would say, uh, if you say what's worse, I would use that terminology, but what's worse is Paul's. Because Peter's is better. His solo album's better. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's a couple of reasons. A, Peter's album is just better. And Peter gets extra points for me because I feel that Peter Peter's album is a much more honest and emotionally connected album. I think Paul, I think Soul Station, he loves that music, but I think Paul was trying to show a side of him at this point in his life. I think he wanted to kind of present an image of himself um, it kind of comes off a little half-assed to me, but so he loses points for that. But even without that, as part of my equation, Peter Chris's solo album, we're on record as both saying that we like it. Uh, when we get to review it, you'll hear more about that. But great question. Thank you, JC. Appreciate it. Tom, where can people find us? Our email is always the best place. Please reach out to us. We read every one of your emails. Even if we don't get to them on the show, we read them. We talk about them amongst each other here. So please send it. That is shoutedoutloudcast at gmail.com. Shoutedoutloudcast at gmail.com. You can also contact us on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tag us. Reach out to us. You can also send us DMs on all those. Um, we're very interactive on the social media. If, if you're not part of that, jump in uh, because we are very active on there. Uh, we're part of the great Pantheon podcast network of shows, tons of great shows, including a bunch of our friends that are on there. Guys like Jay from the Hook Rocks, Baco from Cobras and Fire, a bunch of guys there. Tons of great shows. Check those guys out uh, and check out some of the other shows and you can find more information about us there, too. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier in the show, our excellent Patreon family, please check us out on the Patreon app or patreon.com and you can search for us. Take a look. There's a couple tiers there offering some perks and special things to be a big part of the show. Uh, anything you can do, we appreciate it. And all of you current patrons, uh, we love you guys and we can't thank you enough. Um, and of course, uh, the sponsor of our question of the week, Ed from Click T Shop. 
You want your Shout It Out Loudcast t-shirts? Visit Ed at Click T-Shop. Great stuff there. Get a Shout It Out Loudcast t-shirt. Wear it proudly. Yeah, I believe he has the t-shirts down, thanks to us, yep. for $19.99. Yes. Uh, so go get your Shout It Out Loudcast t-shirts over there at clicktshop.com. You can always DM us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can uh, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us one of those five star child reviews so people can find our podcast. Those Apple uh, podcast reviews are huge plus for us. So if you'd be so kind to do so, please do that. And as a matter of fact, we did get an email today, Tom. I don't know if you saw that. Okay. Um, from someone that let us know who he is because we read the last one and he told us who he is. I'm not going to give away his name because he uses different names online. But he did come back and tell us who BTBAM Rules 310 is. Did you know oh, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So if you do put an iTunes review up there and you don't want to put your name, tell us who you are so we can obviously give you a shout out uh, if possible. And awesome. thank you. So, and uh, always please email us, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Tom, as always, we always leave things with famous last words. What do you got? And on the edge of the darkness, we'll be living in another world. And I know that a part of you's going to be a part of me, girl. I'm a legend tonight. Nice. Yes. I walk the streets by day. I never know quite what to say. It doesn't matter anyway. Who's the man? Terrible. Love that song. Terrible. <laughs> Who's the man? Woohoo! Not good. <laughs> go go back and listen to our Gene Simmons solo album review. <laughs> Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Loudcasters, thank you. Guys, thank you so much for everything. Being a part of the family, being a part of the show. Uh, let us know if you have seen this previously or if you're finding it because of this show. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, thank you, guys. As always, Zeus, my friend, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 